Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read a page of The Wise Man's Fear and then we talk about it. This is page 953. Ing colder, but then I realized the truth. I couldn't feel the radiant heat of the smoldering forge at the other end of Kilvin's office. Kilvin casually picked up the bar of iron used to stir the forge and swung it hard at my head. His gesture was so casual that it caught me completely off my guard and I didn't even have time to cower or flinch away. The bar stopped two feet away from me, as if striking some unseen obstruction. There was no sound, as if it had struck something, neither did it rebound in Kilvin's grip. I reached out my hand cautiously, and it butted up against nothing. It was as if the intangible air in front of me was suddenly made solid. Kilvin grinned at me. The warding stones are of particular use when performing dangerous experiments or testing certain equipment, he said. They somehow produce a thaumic and kinetic barrier. I continued to run my hand along the unseen barrier. It wasn't hard or even solid. It gave way slightly when I pushed at it and felt slippery as buttered glass. Kilvin watched me, his expression faintly amused. Truthfully, Relakvoth, until Elodin made his suggestion, I was thinking of calling your arrow-arresting device the Minor Ward. He frowned slightly. Not entirely accurate, of course, but more so than Elodin's dramatic nonsense. I leaned hard against the unseen barrier. It was solid as a stone wall. Now that I was looking more closely, I could see a subtle distortion in the air, as if I were looking through a slightly imperfect sheet of glass. This is far superior to my arrow catch, Master Kilvin. True. Kilvin gave a conciliatory nod and bent to pick up the stones, muttering again under his breath. I staggered a little when the barrier disappeared. But your cleverness we can repeat endlessly. This mystery we cannot. Kilvin held up the two cubes of metal on the palm of his huge hand. These are useful, but never forget... Cleverness and caution profit the artificer. We do our work in the realm of the real. He closed his fingers over the warding stones. Leave mystery to poets, priests, and fools. Despite my other failures, my study with Master Elodin was progressing rather well. He claimed all I needed to improve myself as a namer was time and dedication. I gave him both, and he put them to use in odd ways. We spent hours riding. He made me drink a pint of Applejack, and then read Tecum's Theophany from cover to cover. He made me wear a blindfold for three days straight, which didn't improve my performance in my other classes, but amused Will and Sim to no end. That's the page. I'm Nick. I'm Jordana. Jeremy, still away. Yes. We, uh, as before, we have, we are fermenting him in Rubbermaid tubs. That's right. That's right. He's coming along nicely now. I feel like this is another kind of theme stated. I feel like there's a lot of this happening at the end of the scene here. Kilbin says, cleverness and caution profit the artificer. We do our work in the realm of the real. Leave mystery to poets, priests, and fools. Quoth is clever, but cautious he ain't. And he also loves mystery. And he also hates poets and priests. <laughs> yeah, poets, priests, and fools is somewhere else. There's definitely a thing in the name of the wind that mentions priests and fools. Um, in the same breath? Yes. Uh... I think, okay, wait, let me see if I can find it on the internet while we continue to discuss. Um, but okay. definitely Poets, Priests, and Fools. I mean, I love the alliteration of Poets, Priests. Um, but I, like, you know, it sounds so familiar. I'm just itching. It sounds like a chapter title to me. It's not it the does. title of this it's, chapter. It absolutely sounds like a chapter title. Yeah. Um, oh, In the Name of the Wind, there's a quote that's only priests and fools are fearless and I've never been on the best of terms with God. Mm. So that's at least priests and fools. 
but it does not include poets. But we do know that he doesn't yeah. like poets. So we know his attitude toward poets. Yeah, but seems to have a uh, similar attitude toward priests. <laughs> Kvothe is going to attack mystery. Obviously, he loves attacking mystery, and there's a great big mystery in front of him with, with regards to the lackless box, which also uh, seems to be one of these strange Numenarian artifacts. Yeah, I'm sure this is setting something up. The idea being that Quoth is clever, but maybe not cautious. I also can't help but wonder if, uh, having seen this demonstration, he's going to end up with these cubes again at some point. Like, They would certainly be useful. They would maybe certainly the be reason useful. he gets kicked out of the university is because he sneaks into Kilman's office and steals the cubes. Maybe. I think it's far more likely that uh, when Hem takes over, or, you know, if like the mayor's forces sweep in to capture the arrow-cache-creating facilities... Quoth has to make tracks fast, but maybe on his way out he'll steal the cubes. I also think it's interesting that like these, the cubes have a command word, and they have have that has uh, remained, right? Like Kilvin can turn them on and off by using the command word. So it's kind of odd to me that even though they are older than time and completely mysterious, their operating instructions have persisted somehow. Yeah, yeah. There's somehow somehow there's a there's a how to guide. Somewhere. Yeah. I, I could see it being like, you know, passed down from Master Artificer to Master Artificer. Um, it's also, I'm sure Jeremy would say it doesn't matter. It's just cool. If I was writing it, though, I wouldn't have it be a command word. I'd have it be like, they're always projecting something. And so you have to keep them close together. Otherwise, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll project. I don't know. I always like objects that have a, a weird negative side. I like a good SCP. What does SCP stand for? Uh, I don't remember, but it's it's this uh, online community where they sort of write scary stories. And the conceit of the stories is that they're all like reports generated by a sort of X-Files agency that uh, captures and contains strange objects. Um, and the best of them are really, really good. A lot of them are like, you know, it's a wiki, so anyone can contribute. And a lot of them are really dumb and uh, uh, self-satisfied. And some of them are like, you know, self-inserts like this, this object is a vampire with an awesome katana who can melt your heart by looking at you. So don't look him in the eyes. But some of them are really, really interesting. Like my favorite one is uh, a copy of a play that if it's performed, all of the actors like kill themselves and do a dark ritual. Like they, as the play is performed, they start to go off script Um like every time it happens. Anyway, it's it's really cool. There's some really good ones, some are really bad. If you ever do check it out, I think it's SCP Foundation and yeah. just sort by best. The best ones are the best ones. Anyway, a lot of the time they're like weird objects with a weird downside. One of them is a pencil sharpener that uh, will sharpen things. Like it, it will never stop sharpening things. So the more you sharpen something, the sharper it gets to the point where it will like split atoms. Whoa. So that's like the the downside. And it's so, crazy. yeah, if I was writing this, I would have it be kind of like that, where it would it, it, you can't turn off the, the shield. Anyway, um, I'm not writing this. Also, speaking on weird objects, this is not one of the weird objects, but in my brain, the description is weird. Buttered glass. It's very effective, but it's so specific and strange. You never buttered your glass? It, I've never buttered glass. Yeah, you should try it. Although I do, okay, I don't know if this counts, but I have a glass butter dish, and yes, butter on glass is very. Well, slippery. there you go, Jordana. You're buttering glass every day, <laughs> every damn day. You're buttering up that glass. 
Oh, actually, oh, I have buttered glass because uh, I have a glass baking pan. So I Look have buttered this. glass. Look okay. at this. Shardana the hypocrite. I've Fine. never buttered glass. And then two non-consecutive examples of buttered glass, Shardana. <laughs> I never considered it to be buttering glass. I considered it to be, to be like greasing a dish. Like it, there's a point at which butter just becomes grease. <laughs> Oh, and you never, you never uh, greased the glass baking dish, Jordana? You never, like, baked brownies by no, greasing the No, no, that's what dish? I'm saying is you're correct. I am a hypocrite. I'm sorry. I have greased a, a glass baking dish for brownies with butter. It, literally, that exact thing happened. Um, but come it's to you still, because my point is it's weird. The trust, the trust, Jordana, that we have put together after thousands of episodes. And now, at this late, oh, late hour, oh, you prove yourself a liar. That's rich coming from you. You and Jeremy like fake gaslight me all the time. <laughs> Jordana, I have never gaslighted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, back to the weird stuff on the page. So, buttered glass aside, uh, uh, I guess near the end of the page, I can't remember exactly where our page ended because mine's in the middle, but he makes him stay up awake. Yes, that's on the page. Him being awake on the page. I think that's on the next page. Oh, damn. Okay, yeah, that's that's the first sentence okay. of the next page. We can I talk about have, the other weird stuff. I do have another thing. Um, there's So when he's talking about what the ward wards off, he uses a great word. And I feel like I know what the word means. I've heard it before, but I just never come across it very often. And it's the word for when it's warding, not something physical, but heat. It's like yeah, the thalmic. Yeah. The thalmic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, and I it reminds me of like in Skyrim, there's the Thalmar. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know about that. Are they like fire people? No, they, it has nothing to do with flames. I don't know why they're called that. Um, okay. But I was just like, oh, funny, funny similarity in words. But also, thalmic makes sense because it's thermal. Yeah. Like, I, I it mean, it in, makes perfect sense as a word. I just never come, I don't come across it very often. Well, it's used fairly commonly in this book, or at least uh, Kilvin uses it because they talk about like thalms of heat. You know, oh, right. When there's the fire in the fishery, he talks about how he uh, he was able to move however many thousands of thalms of heat. Uh, and, and did we discover whether or not thalms were real? I'm doing a cursory Google. Oh, lovely. Uh, the thalm is the unit of magic in Discworld. Oh. Uh, yeah, it is. it is apparently not real in the real world. But it has sort of come to mean uh, the study of magic. Wonder working. Okay, so in in English, this is from Wikipedia, uh, thaumaturgy is the purported capability of a magician to work magic or other paranormal events or a saint to perform miracles. It is sometimes translated into English as wonder working. Oh, wait. So does that mean that the 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 thaum... Thalmic protection in the ward is protecting him from magic. I thought it was protecting him from heat. No, no, no. It's protecting him from in the. So that's in the real world. In this, says in the context of this book. Thalm yeah, thalms or heat refer to heat or like okay. energy. Okay. Um, in English, the word thaumaturgy derives from the Greek thalma, meaning miracle or marvel. Which is also uh, why the thalamus, the part of your brain, the like hypothalamus or whatever. I bet that's I, why it's called that. I don't know about that. Greeks and brains, it's a thing, I think. <laughs> this is this is what I think. I think the I think the Greeks did something with brains. <laughs> uh it's from so I'm looking this up also. It is the Greek for chamber. So oh. I don't know if they're related. Oh, okay. Well it could be maybe it's a chamber in the brain. 
Yeah, exactly. That is what I think it is. It is a gray matter structure. There's also yeah. extra words that go with that, but I'm not about and to it's read it. Also, the source of wonders. The brain is the source of wonders. Yeah. But, so Discworld predates uh, this book, so I wouldn't be surprised if this was borrowed from uh, Pratchett. Because Pratchett has a university where they where they learn magic, and they sort of scienceize it, so they, they, you know, they speak in units of magic. Um, it's comedic rather than uh, the way it's pr- produced, projected, pro- oh my god, what's the word? You know what I mean? Portrayed? Portrayed, thank you. The way that's portrayed in this book where it's, you know, dead serious. But um, I'm sure Ra- Discworld was, uh, I'm sure, on Rothfuss's menu when he was reading up before making this. So there you have it. Very well. A, uh, Is there a, anything a else you want to talk about? There's also, there's the other weirdo things that uh, Elodin makes him do, which I suppose we can talk about tomorrow. Yeah, I feel like that's a, that that we can wait, save for tomorrow because it'll go with my sleep deprivation. Um, yeah, as a little thingy. amuse-bouche, I will say that to me these are all pretty obviously ways of trying to explore getting into the sleeping mind. Okay, I'm sorry you did this. You did this to yourself. You just said the word amuse-bouche. I learned what that was the other day watching a cooking show because I couldn't tell the difference between an amuse-bouche and an appetizer, and I'm like, they're the same. What is the difference? And then I learned what it was, and it was silly. And are they are they different? They apparently, um, an appetizer would be larger than a, an amuse bouche, and an appetizer would be shared, whereas an amuse bouche would be like something small that you would place in front of a person, and it would just be like a bite or two. Um, according to one of the food critics, an amuse bouche should be tops like three bites, like three large bites would be the size, the edible size of an amuse bouche. So like huh. one of the one of the chefs just made like a big piece of ravioli and that was the amuse bouche. Like it was like a big piece of ravioli with some sauce. And I was like, wow. <laughs> like, that feels like a it's a it's like a um what is that? Fine it's a fine dining thing. Huh. Well I feel no, like fine dining is silly. I mean it is, but it's also <laughs> sometimes it's there's some good ones. You have to you have to split the difference between like the goofy fine dining and like actual good food, which sometimes can't be done, because um, sometimes it's real goofy. Anyway, listeners, if you want your bouche amused, uh, you can tune in tomorrow for some big old raviolis of Paige of the Wig. Big old ravioli-sized episode. <laughs>